15, Luke chapter number 15. And again, thank you for being faithful today. Not only is today Father's Day, uh, but also this exciting day, it's a Sunday School Promotion Sunday, and uh, we rejoice in all of that. I uh, finished up teaching Sunday School in here, and then I walked over to the other building and and uh, just looking around a little bit and uh, greeting folks and so forth. We are starting two, I'm sorry, three brand new Sunday school classes today and, and uh, trying to uh, give more people teaching the Bible and, and little smaller class sizes in some areas and, and uh, just gives us more opportunity for growth. And that's really what it's all about. And uh, more people learning the Bible, more people studying the Bible. And, and uh, what a wonderful thing that is. And it's uh, exciting. Uh, some of the young people moved from the one class to the next class older, and that's always a, uh, an exciting time. So a lot of great things happening today. We rejoice in all of it. Luke chapter 15, familiar story. I want you to stand with me, please, and we'll read a good portion uh, of Luke chapter 15. We'll begin in verse number 11. Luke chapter 15 and beginning in verse number 11. The Bible says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, uh, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to, into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his, uh, filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father, my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. But he arose and came uh, to his father, uh, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. This morning, I want to preach to you on this subject, a very familiar uh, uh, story, but uh, a little bit different uh, perspective on it. I want to preach to you this morning on the, the prodigal's father. The prodigal's father. Let's pray together. Our, our Father, we thank you that we can come to you this morning and call you our Heavenly Father. We know that's only by the grace, uh, by your grace, and by what Jesus did for us on Calvary 2,000 years ago in his death and burial and resurrection. Father, what a wonderful privilege it is that we know that uh, according to John 1, 12, we're the sons of God uh, because we've believed on the name of Jesus. I pray that you'd help us this morning. Those who are saved, I pray that you'd encourage us. Uh, those who may be away from you a little bit, may you bring uh, uh, Christians back into fellowship with you. Father, if there's one here this morning who does not know Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior, I pray that uh, you would save the lost Father, for those dads in our congregation today, fathers and grandfathers, uh, may we be encouraged, may we be challenged uh, and provoked to, uh, to bring up our children and grandchildren in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. 
and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. No doubt, this is one of the most preached about stories that Jesus told during his ministry. Uh, you look at the life of Christ, you look at passages that deal with the life of Christ, and stories that Jesus told, parables that Jesus gave, and no doubt this is one of, I would say, at least top ten stories that, uh, that are preached about from the life of Christ. And notice, he, uh, he begins in, in, in the story, in verse number 11, he said, a certain man had two sons, a certain man. Uh, and he goes on to tell the story that we know as the story of the prodigal son. And this story is one of three that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15 that illustrate the importance of one person, the importance of one soul. Understand this morning, you are important to God Almighty. You're important to God. Uh, you're not an uh-oh. You're not an accident. You're not uh, some uh, uh, product of circumstance in God's economy. No, you are important to God Almighty. And Jesus here gives three illustrations, three stories that illustrate the importance of one soul in God's economy. The first story he gives is the story of the lost sheep. And he tells how that a shepherd had 100 sheep. And when he brought them into the fold at night, he would count them one by one to make sure all of them were there. And one night as he was counting the sheep as they were coming into the fold, he gets to 97, 98, 99, and he's missing one. And uh, now, <clears throat> some people will say, well, you know what, 99 out of 100, that ain't bad. And uh, there are kids in here who just finished the school year who, 99, that's two thumbs up. That's, man, that's party central right there. 99, are you kidding me? <laughs> you, <laughs> but, uh, but not so with this shepherd. 99 out of 100 wasn't good enough. Why? Because he was missing one. And the Bible says that this good shepherd, he left the 99 in the fold and in the dark and cold of the wilderness evening, he would go out and he would search diligently for that one lost sheep and he would go and he would leave no stone unturned and he would have his ears peeled to the, to the, uh, uh, the, the faint bleeding of that one lost sheep. Why? Because that one sheep was important to the shepherd. And, uh, and the Bible says that he would search diligently until he found that one lost sheep. And then Jesus tells a story about a lady who, uh, who had ten coins. Not just ten coins that you might would keep in your pocket. Uh, we're not talking about uh, dimes, nickels, and quarters, and pennies, and so forth. But no, these would have been very special to her because uh, uh, back in, in, in uh, uh, New Testament times, it was not uncommon for these types of coins uh, to, to equate to what we would think of as an engagement ring given to her by her husband on their betrothal. <coughs> and, uh, and this lady, she, uh, she lost one of those ten coins that, that were very, uh, that were great sentimental value to her. And the Bible says that she didn't just, ah, well, you know, nine out of ten ain't bad. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't her attitude at all. No, the Bible says that she swept the house and she cleaned the house and she left no stone unturned. She left no, uh, uh, she looked under the couch and under the bed and she looked behind the dryer. You know, everything gets, somehow gets behind the dryer. Fellas, that one sock that you couldn't find this morning, I'll, I'll tell you where it is. Go home, look behind the dryer. You'll find it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, she looked and she looked and she looked and she looked until she found that one lost coin that to her was of great value, the importance of one. And then Jesus finishes Luke chapter 15 by telling us a story, and he said, he brings it very personal. He brings it to a human level for all of us because he said, a certain man, 
a certain man. He had sons, and he his younger son came to him one day, and he said, Daddy, I want everything that's coming to me. I want my inheritance, and I want it right now. I want to go out and live my life. I want to go out and party. I want to go out and do my own thing. I want to go out and live it up. I want to go out, and, and uh, me and my friends are going to have a great time. And, uh, and, and Father, I want you to give me everything that's coming. The Bible says that his father reluctantly gave him uh, his inheritance, and this younger son goes out and wasted his substance, the Bible said. He wasted his inheritance with riotous living. Oh, he had a great time. And by the way, the Bible plainly teaches that there is pleasure in sin for a season. There's pleasure in sin for a season. Hey, you can go do your thing and have a big time for a while, but there's a reckoning day coming, my friend. And the Bible also says sin when it is finished. You say, you may be having, you may be living large right now with sin. You may be living it up and everything's good and everything's grand, but I'll promise you the day is going to come where you will, like the prodigal did, you will have spent all. It'll all be gone. And one day, that same sin that brought you pleasure will bring you grief. That same sin that brought you a big time and what you thought were lots of friends, are, those same friends are going to leave you high and dry. Why? Because sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This prodigal son, he wasted his substance. He wasted the investment of his parents. Not just the monetary investment. Of, we're, not, we're not just talking about dollars and cents as far as his inheritance was concerned. We're talking about the time and the prayers and the training and the investment and the teaching and the upbringing and the rearing of, of, of many years of his parents. Hey, by the way, let me just say this to you young people. On, on this Father's Day, uh, there'll, there'll come a day when you'll, you'll wish to God you'd listen. I promise you that. There will come a day in your life when all of a sudden your mom and your dad are going to take on a, a, a new, uh, you're going to have a, a new perspective of their wisdom in your life. You know, my dad became very wise as far, I mean, I, I've always loved my dad, never dishonored my dad a, a, at all, but my dad's wisdom became even more evident to me when I got on my own. When I started seeing life the way he saw life, all of a sudden he, was one of those, he became the smartest man I ever met. You know why? Because one day you're going to be there. One day you're going to be there, young person, and don't you waste what mom and dad have invested in you. Don't waste it. You're going to need that one day. By the way, you need it now. Don't have sense enough to realize it. I'm simply saying this prodigal son, he wasted his inheritance. He wasted the investment of his parents. He wasted his heritage and his training. He wasted his youth. By the way, you're only young once. You're only young once. Bible tells us over in the book of Ecclesiastes, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. In the days of your youth. Hey, don't, don't have the attitude, well, I'll serve God when I get to be 40. I'll serve God when I get to be 21. I'll serve God when I get, uh, when I get married and have a family of my own. I'll serve God. Listen, he said, now's the time to serve God. Don't waste your youth. Don't waste the, some of the best years, the energetic years that God gives you. I see these kids running around, and uh, and, and I always think this. Boy, what, what would it be like to have just a tithe of that kind of energy? You know what I'm talking about? You see these kids, and man, they're just they're just dynamos, you know. <laughs> I mean, you just wind them up and watch them go. <laughs> and and uh, and uh, uh, and I, I think to myself, would to God I had some of that energy. <laughs> but uh, But understand, you won't always have your youth. You'll not always have the health that you enjoy right now. You'll not always have some of the benefits of your younger years. Hey, young people, listen to the preacher this morning. Don't waste those years. Don't waste them. He wasted his innocency. 
He wasted his opportunities. He wasted things, and, and, uh, uh, and hey, not just uh, all while he was out having a good time. There were things that he missed back at the Father's house that he could have enjoyed, things that he was going to need one day, and he threw all of that away. But, you know, one day it dawned on him. One day, this young prodigal son, it dawned on him as he found himself alone. The friends were gone. The friends were gone. By the way, uh, <clears throat> the people who flock to your side when everything is going well, you check and see, look, let's check back when you when things aren't going so well and see if they're still there. Those are the people that are the true friends. Those are the people that are, that are there for you, thick and thin. But here's this young man. The parties were over. The friends were gone. The money was spent. He was no longer popular with the crowd. And it dawned on him that the father was right. It dawned on him that his father was right. And by the way, it came, uh, he came to the realization that all of what he had been taught was true after all. And by, and by the way, let me say this. It came to him in the hog pen. It came to him while he's sitting there in the hog pen with the taste and uh, of uh, of uh, the husks that the, that the hogs ate. I don't, you know, that doesn't sound appetizing to me at all. Okay, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I like country cooking and all that, but there's something about husks that the swine did eat that doesn't have any kind of um, uh, appeal to me <laughs> whatsoever. But here's this young man. Here's this young man with the stench of the hog farm in his nostrils. Now, there's no smell quite like that of a hog farm. Amen, Brother Sean? <laughs> and uh, I was just down in eastern North Carolina a few weeks ago and driving through there, and I just uh, I happened to catch a whiff. It's an unmistakable smell. An unmistakable smell. You don't have to wonder it is where you're at when you smell a hog farm. But, uh, but, but here's this, here's this prodigal. He's sitting in the hog pen. He's got the aftertaste of the husk that the swine did eat on his lips and down his throat. He's got that unmistakable stench in his nostrils of what it's, of what it's like to be around a hog farm. And he said, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? My daddy's servants have it better than I have it right now. So he made one very wise choice. He said, this old boy is going home. He said, the hired servants of my father, they live in a nice house. They eat good meals. They have everything, every need that they possibly have. It's taken care of. Now, they're servants, and they work hard for my daddy. <clears throat> but boy, they got it better than, than the life I'm living right now. And he said, I'm telling you where, what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to find my father, and I'm going to say, Daddy, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants, because trust me, they don't smell the hog pen. They don't taste the husks that the swine eat. I'm going home. By the way, good move. Good move. You see, that's where this message begins this morning. I submit to you that the hero of this story is not the son who ran away. Now, thank God for him. Thank God that this boy finally came to his senses and said, I'm going home. That's a wonderful choice on his part. But may I say, the hero of this story is not the son who came home. The real hero of the story is the father who took him back. The father who welcomed him with open arms. Hey, this guy was an idiot who <laughs> was the last one to realize that he was an idiot. By the way, you know the way it usually is? The last one that realizes they're wrong is the guy who's wrong. <laughs> his, his friends, his so-called friends probably looked at him and said, man, 
Hey, I'll take your money as long as you're giving it away, but you're an idiot. <laughs> but finally, it took a hog pen, it took the swine and the, the husks that they ate, it took the worst of the worst circumstances for this guy to realize that he wasn't doing right. His daddy could have told him how that he was going to, how all this was going to turn out for him before he ever set foot outside of the door to leave, but he refused to listen then. Why don't we have the good sense to listen to the Lord before we make a mess of things? Why don't we just this morning decide that we're going to let God be true and every man a liar? Why don't we this morning decide that we're going to understand that, that, that God knows what he's talking about when he said the way of the transgressor is hard? Why don't we have the good sense to listen to the Lord when he tells us that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death? Why don't we have the sense to understand that the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die? Why don't we understand that the wages of sin is death? And why don't we just uh, take God's word for it and save ourselves the heartache that the prodigal son experienced firsthand and understand that Father knows best. Father knows best. I want to take a few moments this morning and brag on the ultimate father. The ultimate father, the prodigal's father. I want you to see, first of all, this morning, the predictable nature of the father. The predictable nature of the father. Look with me at verse number 17, Luke chapter 15, and verse number 17, we read these words. The Bible says, and when he came to himself, talking about the prodigal, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, the prodigal had a good idea of what the father's response was going to be. You know why? He knew his father. He knew his father. He didn't sit there and say, I wonder if my father will take me back. He didn't sit there and say, Daddy's probably going to turn me away. He didn't say, at least we don't have it recorded, as him thinking or the thought process of, I wonder if my father will be gracious. No, sir, he understood the predictable nature of his father, and the predictable nature of the father was, he loves me. And he want, he, you know, he's not going to be happy with what I've done. And when he hears about the stories of my demise and when he hears about all the riots living, he's probably not going to be real happy with my activities and my actions. But I know my father and I know his nature is predictable. He's going to take me back. You see, he wasn't some emotional. I'm talking about his father. The father wasn't some emotional roller coaster who was unpredictable and unstable. He was a man of principle who was steady and governed by discipline and by steadiness. By the way, God give us homes that are guided by fathers of character. God give us some homes that are guided and led by fathers, Christian fathers of high Christian character. That's what we need. That's what this country needs. Hey, that's what, that's what this nation needs. This nation needs some homes where daddy is not some buffoon that's, as he's portrayed by most of the Hollywood programs out there. Our country needs some, some daddies who rise up and take the leadership mantle of the home and their God-given responsibility to be the right kind of husband and the right kind of father, upstanding and, and men of integrity and men of moral character and men who say, I'll not stoop to the filth of this world. I'll not, I'll not dip my sails because of popular opinion or what everybody else is doing. Hey, you look at the average Hollywood television show in the country today and dad is nothing more than a necessary evil who's a buffoon that's how they're portrayed today 
What makes America great is homes that are led by men of God who say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what we need. Men, I say this with respect, but it's unfair for to your wife and unsettling to your kids if you're wavering in your role as the spiritual leader of your home. That's a that's big league responsibility. Big league responsibility. For you to, to, to take the... I'm not talking about being some kind of a dictator. I'm not saying that you need to line your kids up every morning and have roll call and make sure that... <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> but uh, I'm not saying that, that, that you're supposed to rule with an iron fist. No, I'm saying there ought to be a man... There ought to be men of God in this room who lead their home by example. Who, who teach your children to pray by you having a prayer life. By, by you opening the Word of God and getting on your face before God and praying for your children. Oh, how we need, uh, America needs families, strong homes. And let me tell you something, they'll not be strong homes until dads decide to take their rightful space, rightful place as leader. Thank God for you mothers. Thank God for good, godly mothers. And I'll promise you this, you, you look at a home where, uh, uh, where, where, where the kids are out of control, a lot of times it's because mama's lost control. But there also needs to be that steadying hand, that steady force of a dad who said, this is the way, walk ye in it. Thank God for good mothers, but the, they're all, the, the, look, they all, look, fellas, <clears throat> your wife ought not have to bear the burden of spiritual leadership in your home. Okay? Are you with me? Don't, don't climb up on me now, all right? <laughs> we gave you a pen and a book. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> But reality is, if, 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 if you, if you delegate all of the spiritual leadership, fellas, to your wife, that's not fair to her. And by the way, it's not settling for your children. Take that mantle of leadership and you, and you wear it proudly and you wear it humbly and you wear it before the Lord and, and, and say to, say, say to God, I'm going to do my best to lead this home by example. Example. It's one thing to say, y'all go to church. It's another thing to say, hey, let's get, let's go to church together. It's one thing to say, y'all serve God now. It's another thing to say, let's serve the Lord together. It's one thing to say, y'all do what's right now. You do what's right now. Hey, little eyes are watching you, Dad. Little ears are listening to you, Dad. They hear what you say, and they, they, they hear the instruction. But I'll tell you something. An example carries a lot more weight than just exhortation alone. That's such a right example. Here's this father. He, it was the, <laughs> the predictable nature of the Father. I want you to see not only that, but number two, the unending compassion of the Father. The unending compassion of the Father. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 20. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 20. And he arose and came to his Father. But when he was yet a great way off, his Father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The unending compassion of the Father. The Bible doesn't tell us how long the prodigal son was away. Was it six months? We don't know. Was it a year or longer? We're not sure. It was long enough for him to waste his substance. It was long enough for him to get hired by a farmer and, and work in a hog pen. It was long enough for him to come to himself. But we, doesn't know, we, we don't know how long a period of that was, but we do know this, the father never lost hope. The father never lost hope. And by the way, his compassion for his boy was unending. 
There never was a time when the father just wrote him off and said, well, he's going to do his own thing. He'll just have to rot out there somewhere. No, no. The Bible tells us that when this young man was yet a great way off, the father was looking for him. Hey, let me tell you something. He didn't meet him on the front porch. He met him down the road somewhere. He was looking for him. He loved him. He cared for them. There never was a time when this young man got away from the compassion and the love of his father. And let me tell you this morning, there may be a time, and you may be right now, outside of the father's will. Right now, right here, this morning, you may be living like hell itself. You may be living in sin. You may be, you, you may be involved in all kinds of debauchery. You may be involved in all kinds of filth. But let me tell you something. There's a Father in heaven who loves you and His love for you will never end and His compassion for you will never end. And He's still waiting for you to come back home. Still waiting. This boy, he decided to go home. And when he was yet a great way off, the father he was looking for him and he said somebody's coming somebody's coming i can't make out who it is but his heart began to race a little bit could it be could it be it's been so long could it be that's exactly how god feels when you come back the unending compassion of the father i want you to see in all of that the predetermined forgiveness of the father not only the unending compassion of the Father, but the pre, don't miss it, the predetermined forgiveness of the Father. Look with me, if you will, in the text, in verse, back in verse number 21, Luke chapter 15, and verse number 21. And the Son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am none worthy to be called thy Son. By the way, he had practiced his speech. Remember? That's what he said in the hog pen. He said, I'm going to rise and go to my father, and I'm going to say, hey, maybe it was one of your hired servants. And now, man, he's been, he's been rehearsing this speech all along. Okay, here, here's what I'm going to say. Father, I'm, I'm not even worthy to be your son anymore. I don't expect to be treated like a son anymore. I don't expect all the perks that go with being a sonship. Uh, with sonship. I want to be a, a servant in your house because they got it better than anything I've had in the last several days. I, I'll promise you that. And he practices this little speech. And so now he's in, uh, in verse number 21. He's giving that speech, and, uh, and he said, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son but the father verse 22 but the father said to his servants bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry now <clears throat> now wait a minute nowhere in that passage do you read where the father said to his son you know what son let's talk about this Nowhere in there do you say, now, now, son, wait a minute, before we go a step further, let's just have a father-son discussion. You've done wrong. You know he did wrong. He knew he did wrong. Let, let's talk about this, son. Here, here's a, let's, let's lay down the law right now. He didn't say that. I'll forgive you, but he didn't say that. The forgiveness of the father was a foregone conclusion, my friend. It was a predetermined forgiveness of the father. It was never a question in the father's mind. This was his son. And from the moment this boy went astray and set out to do his own thing, the dominating thought in the mind of the father was, when will my son come home? I'm saying forgiveness was a foregone conclusion. You know how much God loves you? I mean, we talked about it Sunday school this morning, salvation. You know how much God loves you? He gave His only begotten Son. 
If you ever have a doubt as to whether or not God loves you, all you need to do is turn and take a quick glance at Calvary. That's all you need to do. If you ever get to the point in your life when you think, you know what, I, I'm just not sure. I mean, I know I've, I've wandered far away from the Lord and, and I've done some pretty awful things. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, if you only knew a little bit of what I've been involved in, and I say, wait a minute, stop right there. I don't need to know everything you've been involved in. There's a God in heaven who has, hey, if you belong to Him, you're a child of God. Forgiveness is a foregone conclusion. And I'm simply saying, I'm not minimizing your sin this morning. I'm not, I'm not trying to turn a blind eye toward it whatsoever because uh, sin bears its own consequences. And, and folks who get out into sin understand that very quickly. But you understand something tonight. God, or this morning, God wants you back and forgiveness has already been cared for. Beautiful picture of God the Father. He's just. God's just. God's holy. God, God can't even stand to look upon sin. You don't believe that? Look at what happened at Calvary. His own son is hanging there between heaven and earth on Calvary. And in the time of the day when it should have been brightest from noon until 3 p.m., the father turned his back on his son and darkness covers the entire earth for three hours in the middle of the day. Why? God can't stand to look upon sin. He's so righteous and he's so holy and he is so just. And if you step outside of the obedience to his will for your life, there's nothing but pain and misery waiting for you. That's it. But wait a minute, that same God who is just and righteous and holy is also a loving Heavenly Father who at the very moment that you make your way back into His fellowship, He open, He welcomes you with open arms. He welcomes you. He's looking for you. He's longing for you. He's hoping you'll come back. And this morning, if you find yourself distant from the forgiveness of the Father, it is of your own choosing. That's right. You say, preacher, I feel like God's a million miles away from me. Well, God's never moved. He's never moved. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. If you find yourself at odds with the Lord, it's not God who moved. It's you who moved. You're the one that strayed away from Him. May I remind you from this story, it wasn't the Father who took off and ran away. It was the Son. He was the one who did His own thing. He's the one who went out into sin. He's the one who wasted His substance in righteous living. It was the Father who said, Hey, anytime you're ready, I'm right here. You come back over here. You come on back home and, and, and see if I won't love you and see if I've not forgiven you and see if I won't provide for you. And He feels the same way about you who strayed away from Him this morning. You're as close to God right now as you've chosen to be. You are as close to God right now as you have chosen to be to be. Why don't you take a step toward God? Hey, why don't you why don't you draw nigh to God this morning? Why don't you, as the prodigal did there in the in the hog pen, <clears throat> with the stench of the hog farm in his nostrils and with the taste of the husks that the swine did eat uh, still in his mouth and in his throat. Well, I bet you can't get that taste out of your mouth very easily. And he said, hey, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the Father. That was a decision that he made. And he took that step toward home. And he made his way down that road. My Bible says you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. I see finally this morning, not just the predictable nature of the Father and the unending compassion of the Father and the predetermined forgiveness of the Father, but I close with this, the amazing restoration of the Father. The amazing restoration of the Father. Was this boy deserving of a feast? Hmm. If you look at it just for what it is, most of us would say, no. 
No. He gets, he gets uh, uh, the, the father meets him, and, and uh, boy, they embrace, and the father falls upon the son's neck, and he, he, he hugs him, and he kisses him, and he said, this my son was dead, and he's alive again, he's back home. Boy, what a wonderful day. And he turns, and he gets message back to the service, and he said, hey, we're going to have a time tonight. We're going to have a party like you ain't never seen. Go kill that fatted calf, the one that we've been, that, that we've been fattening up for all these weeks. And by the way, I believe that fatted calf was for that purpose. I believe with all my heart, the father, <clears throat> I don't think is, hey, see if you can find a cow. No, I think there was a cow being prepared for that moment. I believe the father was looking for him. And he said, hey, go kill the fatted calf and, 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 and bring a ring and put it on his finger. By the way, that ring was, uh, was, uh, was significant because it was indicative of their relationship with the father. Let me tell you something. You may be here away from God. You may be someone who is straight away, but if you're a child of God, you're saved, your name's written in heaven, hey, you still belong to him. He said, bring that ring, put it on his finger, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a time tonight. And let me tell you, what, an, what a beautiful picture of the restoration of this young man. Oh, yes, there were things, uh, you know, he wasn't getting the, the inheritance back. There were some things that he wasted that he would never, never uh, have again. But there was a relationship that was never severed. The amazing restoration of the Father. You see, not only does God want you back in fellowship, God wants you back in usefulness. God wants you back in usefulness. You know, the Bible talks a lot about restoring those who have fallen. That, that, that ought to be our goal. That ought to be our desire. And here is a wonderful picture of that. Was this boy deserving of a feast? I don't think so. Not in our eyes. In the eyes of people there that day, probably not. We understand by reading the rest of the story, there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of animosity from the older brother who, who never went anywhere. And by the way, I believe that older brother is to be commended. I believe, I believe boy, we ought to, we ought to give him a congratulatory handshake and say, hey man, <clears throat> thanks for staying with the stuff. I'm not, I'm not here to take anything away from him whatsoever, but let me tell you something. We also ought to, those of us who have not strayed, we ought to look at those who come back and say, you know what? Thank God. Thank God. Hey, let me say this. But for the grace of God, it could have been the older brother. But for the grace of God, it could be us. But for the grace of God, we could be the prodigal next time. But for the grace of God, it could be us who decide to take a step away from the Lord. I'm simply saying, why don't we this morning understand that the real hero of the story is not the boy who ran away. It was the father who brought him back. And this morning, the father wants to bring you back. If you're here and you're not saved... Father wants to save you. If you're here this morning, you're saved, but you strayed away from the Lord. The Father wants to bring you back into fellowship with Him. And not just in fellowship with Him. He wants to bring you back and restore you to a place of usefulness in His service. That's what He wants. That's what He wants. The prodigal's father. The prodigal's father. I'm so glad that this morning, before I left, come over for Sunday school, I could spend a few moments talking to the prodigal's father. I'm glad I could commune with him a little bit. I'm glad we could spend some time together today. By the way, he wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with you. The prodigal's father. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes.